Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to My Favourite Takeaway Podcast, the show for people who love food but can't always be bothered to cook it. I am Tom Crane and my co-host Simran Shah uh, is with me now. As always, how are you, Sim? Are you well? Hi, Tom. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm not too bad. For for those of you who haven't listened to the show, basically myself and Sim uh, join a special guest each week, share their favourite takeaway with them exactly as they normally have it. That's what it is. We have a fun chat. We eat great food. That's the gist. Um, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Um, can, I, can I ask you something? I, I went out last night, Simran, to uh, a restaurant. I mean, h- how would you feel about this? It's something that's never happened to me before, but I think it's going to be something that happens more and more to people. Um, I, I went to this nice sort of classy restaurant. Claire and I went for a meal. We sat there. There was a another romantic couple opposite us having a meal, and they took a selfie. And then um, they looked at the photo and the boyfriend said to the girlfriend, oh, don't worry, I've got an app. I can delete that guy in the background. And then then watched them erase me from the photo. No reference to Claire. Claire Claire was allowed to stay in the photo. Hold on. You watched them erase you. How close were they to you? Quite close. It was like it was quite a tight packed restaurant with little uh, tables really quite tightly packed. I mean, I wasn't sort of craning over their shoulder, but it was clear what they were doing. Uh, and then they deleted me from the photo, from the background. They removed me from the image. I find that that's quite hurtful, isn't it? It is. It is quite hurtful, but it does. It, it will bode well if you said if you if there was an incident in the restaurant and you can say, oh, well, I wasn't there. <laughs> I wasn't there at all. There's no proof. That so is actually quite it, an interesting point. Actually, doesn't that create problems in court? It's Surely an, it's an alibi go... creator, isn't it? It's exactly. an alibi creator. This is a loophole so for criminals. You should, you should you should count your lucky stars there, Crane. That you're so you're so unphotoed. You're so you ruin every photo <laughs> that it saves you from from being persecuted. Ever being implicated <laughs> in the crime. I think the, the, it's actually the painful words are simply "Don't worry, don't worry," because that suggests. <laughs> We can both see the eyesore that we need to get rid of. We don't need to discuss this. Is, this is so obvious what we need to get rid of from this photograph, but don't worry. <laughs> when we look at this, you won't have to be sick on your own feet every time you see this photo. We'll get rid of that grotesque creature in the background. Anyway, that's that's what happened to me. Very embarrassing. I'm, I'm, I'm never, never leaving the house again. Um, Simran, uh, this week... Uh, there's quite a few emails we've had on one subject uh, from our listeners. And I think I kind of want to wrap up a few things. This happened a few weeks ago. Um, me and you, we 
You may remember, I'm sure you do. Could you, you can't oh, Yeah, I was you, there. I was there. Were... I was there. I'm, I'm, I'm part of the podcast, Crane. <laughs> I, I am there. And even more than that, you were the person doing the thing, which was you tried Jalfrezi curry on a pizza. I did, uh, Because yes. a listener suggested it. And did it, did, it, did it work? I can't remember. No, well, I think if you remember, did. if you remember, what happened was I ended up biting through a big old cardamom pod. <laughs> oh, and yes. That, and that's what ruined the experience for me. Cardamom gate. Indeed. Yes. And then we discussed the idea that there might be a gap in the market for an Indo-Italian restaurant. You came up with the idea of Papad Doms. I think that's what you went with. That was your Thank suggestion. Thank you very much. Yes, it was. We it asked was. for, not to criticise that, but we asked for better names if there were any <laughs> going. Um, so we'll dust a few of those off first. First of all, um, Michael Danielle, uh, contact us, say, hello, I would like to suggest um, Pavarotti's as a name for the Indo-Italian oh. restaurant. That's great. Lovely stuff. That, well, I will tell you what, Michael Danielle, if you're going Pavarotti's, you've yeah. missed a trick there. Could have also gone Domingo's after Placido Domingo, oh. one of the three tenors, of which the other was Pavarotti. So oh, that, I'm afraid you really don't good. know your Spanish tenors, do you? That's really good. <laughs> also, they could do like a £30 deal called the three tenors where you get three pizzas each. Oh, lovely stuff. <laughs> lovely stuff. <laughs> This is all coming together. Um, we then got an email. I, I love this email because it's it's because it's brevity. It's so perfectly quick. Um, I may be late to the Indo-Italian theme. Papa Domino's is what he's written. Papa Domino's. Then I'll get my coat, Rick. That's what you always written. Hold on, uh, Papa Dom, Papa Dom. Pop, yeah, oh, Papa Dom, Papa Dom Minos, I'm with you. God, it's, it's, hell, it is, is definitely it's it's almost, a better version of Papa Dom's, which is yours. It's, it's definitely a better version of that. He's well, taken yours and he's improved it. <laughs> Papa John's was an authentic. That was authentic. This is this is not this is not authentic on two counts. Oh, yours Papa was Dom. Papa John's. Was it? I thought it was Papa Dom's. Oh, okay, okay. No, I do you disservice. Do you disservice. Are, you, are you listening to the podcast, Tom? Well, I'm on my iPhone half the time. You know, I'm having my feet massaged. <laughs> I'm worried about people taking photos of me and deleting me in the background. There's a lot going on in my mind when we when we do this. Uh, Papa Domino's. That's a, that's a good one. I like that. But also. Crucially, we've had a lot of emails about people saying that this type of cuisine, Indo-Italian, does actually exist and that we're missing out on it. It's already out there. Lauren has contacted us to say that apparently there's deli pizza in Basingstoke that's worth going to. Um, uh, Claire has emailed to say that there's an Indian pizza takeaway in Sunderland called Chom Chom Spice. We had it when we went there with a friend. doesn't sound I... that Indian. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> I'm not going to say Chom Chom Spice doesn't sound like an Indian takeaway. <laughs> an Indian Italian. Is that is that an Indian Italian twist? Chom Chom Spice. <laughs> How much have they, have they have? It doesn't feel like they've workshopped that name much. No, it? no. Someone's just gone, anyone got literally anything? Or someone's <laughs> just gone, oh, Chom Chom Spice? <laughs> so what, what does that mean? I don't know. It's fine. Let's stick it on the sign. Um, but uh, Claire apparently had a call Korma pizza there, which is pizza-based, proper Indian takeaway korma sauce with chicken topped with cheese. Because I was sceptical, mm. but it was one of the best things I've had in about five years, she says. In five years? It's the best thing you've had in five years? She still years. thinks about it, apparently. Wow. The cheese on the korma. Thoughts on that? Not great. Not a fan. Not a fan of that yeah. at all. Korma sauce with chicken, fine. Just yeah. Topped with cheese. So the cheese is melted on the, on the curry sauce. I is completely it? agree. That I, texture, I that it. is a clash of textures right there. I'm not into that at all. I, I, I think almost, you're right. I think with the pizza and the korma on its own, I could just about see that being something that might be pleasant. But the cheese, 
You've gone too hard there. That's yeah, too I'm much going on there. Also, are, are they then reheating it so that the cheese melts, or is the cheese oh, just yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. sitting there grated <laughs> in the sauce? I think cold grated cheese in a curry on a curry sauce is a no go. I think if it's melted, slightly better, but I yeah. think the ultimate is to not have it at all. I've, I'm for some reason imagining those sort of like those cheese squares that you have on a. Uh, picnic those thin squares of cheese oh, that just sort of slapped oh, on yeah. top the sort of uh sandwich cheese you had as a kid for something i don't know why i'm imagining that but um okay i'm not convinced but maybe if i'm in sunderland i'll give it a go uh, and then gabriel <coughs> has got in contact to say hello fellow takeawayers which is you guys the listening public uh, listening to the elizabeth day episode on my commute and it sparked a thought i have seen indian pizzas in guildford but i haven't tried them yet better yet simran shah you might know this it is called shah's secrets so there is a there is an Indo-Italian restaurant with your surname out there, Simran. Well, look, I, I hate to um, uh, <laughs> d- disappoint you, but but, but you're leaving Shah, the podcast to but, focus on your business. <laughs> but but my my crumbling business needs attention, so I'm going to have to leave. <laughs> I'm so this sorry. Also, yeah. this, has been, this has been a complete <laughs> ruse just to get drive people to my Indo-Italian restaurant. <laughs> we should do that. We should go to Shah's in Guildford one day. That'd be a nice. We sort should of thing go to, to Shah's in Guildford. Shah's in Guildford. If you're listening, brothers, please yep. invite us. Invite us there. Take me back home. It's time for me to come home <laughs> for the Indian pizzas that you grew up loving as a kid. Um, but also. Gabriel has said, and this is something that's really sparked my mind, but something we haven't asked uh, you, the listeners, about. Gabriel says, I also used to work in a Chinese takeaway. One thing that used to really annoy me was that people would come in to the Chinese restaurant and ask for poppadoms. It still boils my blood to this day, if I'm honest. Now, I get that. It must be an annoying thing to constantly hear throughout your day going, no, come on, guys. But it made me think, have you ever worked in a takeaway? If you're listening here, have... Have you ever worked in one? Were there stuff, were there things that happened that really annoyed you? What are the sort of maddest things that you've seen working in a takeaway? Kind of want to hear the voices from the other side of the counter. I think we've got to that point, Simran. We can do it. Let's find out. What do the other side have to say? I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to hear it. And if you have worked in a takeaway, do contact the show. You can contact us on hello at myfavoritetakeawaypodcast.com or you can contact us in these many other ways. You can follow us on Insta on My Favourite Takeaway Podcast, on Twitter on Fav Takeaway Pod, or email us hello at myfavouritetakeawaypodcast.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
And if you're enjoying the show, do make sure you subscribe to never miss an episode where we've got new episodes coming out every Wednesday. And this week, Sim, which brilliant guest do we have? We have the wonderful Christelle Pereira, great British Bake Off finalist from 2021. We discussed her love of miso and Kinder Buenos. We really Mm. hope you enjoy it. We are joined today by Christelle Pereira. Christelle was a finalist in the great British Bake Off 2021. This is very impressive, isn't it, Christelle? You are, you are without a doubt, so far, our most impressive guest in terms of cooking and baking. This is it. No. This, this oh is gosh. huge for yeah. us. <laughs> a lot of our guests, Christelle, they, they have no idea how to cook, no idea how to bake. Hence the reason they come on this show, because they just talk about takeaways. But you actually have, you can provide for yourself. It's amazing. You can oh create. God. It's wonderful. Well, I am very flattered. But no, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. And do you know what? One of my favorite things to do is to talk about food. And I think so many of my friends, when I when we get together, I'm there yapping away about food and they get so bored. So I'm so happy to be in a safe <laughs> environment where I can just talk about food and hopefully not bore anyone. So this is great. So when, when will you try and bring up food? Are you on, sort of, on a night out? Are you trying to sort of start conversations about your favorites? Sort of, you know, the way to break a poppadom? What's the best start? You know, whatever. I mean, honestly, all the time. And I just, for example, like, you know, in, in the group chat, I will love to ask those sort of questions that gets people going like, what's your favourite chocolate bar? And then at the whole yeah. group chat, you know, I hope the whole group chat explodes, but sometimes people are like, Christelle, just shut up, no one cares. But, <laughs> what is your favourite chocolate bar, Christelle? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. So, do you know what? It's a tricky one, but I think it has to be a Kinder Bueno. Oh, um, oh my God, I just ate a Kinder Bueno <laughs> today. Not only today, I ate one about two hours ago, and it was, Christelle, the one that has the white chocolate sort of creamy bit inside. Oh, my gosh, stop. I'm salivating. I it, agree. It's, it's the best, the best. It is, and it's a whole experience because I also love textures as well as flavours, and what's great about Kinder Bueno is it's crunchy on the outside, and then you get that soft luscious filling and then you get the, the taste of the hazelnut still in your mouth lingering mm, it's mm. it's an experience my only problem with kinder Bueno is the slightly creepy picture of the children that they use in the advertising <laughs> <laughs> really shiny teeth sort of it's really bizarre the images are too sort of clean and sort of they, they, everyone looks too bright and per i don't know it weirds me out i think it's, it's there's, there's something about the sort of images around it not a fan but the chocolate great I guess there's a problem with basically if you're an adult eating something that says kinder, it's sort of yeah. kinder is not kinder eggs, kinder bueno. But I get over that quite quickly because when I use, when I um, peel the wrapper with that little gold, that little gold strip and then yeah. you take out the kinder oh, bueno yeah. and then there's the, 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 the smooth dip as you break each bit in half and some oh, of it God. has got that sprinkling on it that like yes. uh, that oh god that's the good stuff what is that little I gold know. strip i don't is know that, is that to show that it hasn't been tampered with that little gold strip what it's is to it? show that it's unique it's just a <laughs> unique product <laughs> it's 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 like it's like the chocolate equivalent to the pointless aluminium hat that comes on san pellegrino i have no idea why that's on there <laughs> what is that for that is so bizarre i've always wondered that i always think oh it's you know it looks quite fancy but it's so irrelevant isn't it is it to keep the sort of the <laughs> aperture clean because i've noticed is that a, is that an issue with other cans I don't know what it is. Is it kind of a, like a dust sheet? You know what? To be fair, I mean, my mum, I mean, I actually don't really have fizzy drinks that often, but my mum always taught me to always wash a can before I uh, drink it because she claims that a lot of um, these cans have got dried uh, rat's urine on them. Okay. So, oh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, I my mum is the kind of person who will, you know, 
says that, you know, you should always drink out of a glass bottle because plastic bottles give you cancer and all that sort of stuff. She loves all those sort of, you know, gimmicky yes. things. So that's one of them is that um, lots of cans of fizzy drinks have got uh, dried rat's urine. But dried rat's urine is so um, specific. Yeah. It's not, it's not even just any sort of general dirt. It's like she's seen, I think at a point she's seen a rat pissing on a can of Coke or something and she's thought, <laughs> you have to have seen that have happened. Surely to, yeah. to be so specific about that. But okay, maybe she's right. Maybe she is right. Maybe. Yeah. And maybe that's why San Pellegrino have got this pioneering idea. Oh, yeah, there we are. I think uh... that, is, that is pioneering. <laughs> so, so for those of you who are listening now, it's probably worth to flag that Christelle's takeaway hasn't arrived yet. So it was ordered for 7 p.m., but we're still waiting for it. So yeah. at some point, it'll arrive, right? It'll just it'll turn up, and then we'll eat it, and it'll all be within the right allotted record time. <laughs> Do you yeah. think? Yeah, yeah. No, of course, of course. Let's, well, let's delve into this. What is your feeling when a takeaway has gone AWOL and isn't turning up? I'm the sort of person that sort of goes up to the window. I know Simran's the same, and I sort of like look through the window as if it will sort of like mean the Absolutely. moped appears quicker. Especially now when I feel like my social life has really taken a step back. Now it's those food deliveries. No, I don't, I mean, a normal delivery, yeah, but a food delivery is those ones that genuinely is a highlight of my day. And I'm waiting, and when it's, you know, it's a seven o'clock time, I think, well, this is great. This is the highlight of my day. Like, I'm looking forward to that 7 p.m. on the dot delivery. And then it doesn't arrive, and I just think, oh, my gosh. And then, you know, your world starts, you know, kind of crashing down. <laughs> but also, because genuinely, when I, I'm the sort of person, I live to eat, I don't eat to live. So basically, when I'm eating my breakfast, I'm thinking about my lunch. When I'm eating my lunch, I'm thinking about my dinner. So, and I actually, well, I will probably go on to this, but I don't actually order takeaways that often. So when I do, it's a big deal. And also, I kind of order takeaways for two reasons. One, it's, it's kind of, you know, to be a bit time efficient, if, for example, one day it's really busy, and and also I live at home with my family. So if we're all really busy, and we've got a big day coming up the next day, and we don't have time to cook, we'll just, we'll say, look, let's get a takeaway. So it's supposed to be sort of, to save a bit of time and you know there's no washing mm. up and pots and pans um and the second thing is obviously if you just want to treat yourself a bit but more for the first reason if i'm ordering a takeaway to sort of you know save me a bit of time when it doesn't arrive on time i just think well i could have just cooked in that time i was waiting i know yes. no, no, that's, that's the, the killer thing. yeah and i think what's worse as well is nowadays with the apps after you've ordered it says they are preparing your food and they even have a little image of a wok flipping food. So you know at seven o'clock the food is apparently, according to this app, unless this app's lying to me, being cooked. <laughs> so when it's still not turned up at 8.45, I know I saw the flipping wok. You showed me the wok in the app. I know you were cooking it an hour and three quarters ago, so it's going to be awful when it turns up. Surely it's going to be cold. So that's my panic. But then I do tend to sort of overanalyze these things, so maybe that's just me. But, um, yeah, <laughs> I feel your pain. I feel your pain. And, and But more importantly, what, what, what do you have heading? What is coming in your direction? What, what have you ordered tonight? What are we expecting? Wow, so I'm really excited. So my favourite takeaway place is from a place called Rinsushi. And we got it for the first time. It was actually my birthday a couple of years ago. It's a Japanese place. And they do, obviously, sushi and bao buns and ramen. So I love Japanese cuisine. I think, apart from, obviously, German food, which is my heritage, I absolutely love Japanese food. I went to Tokyo a few years ago with my mom and genuinely had the best food I think I've ever eaten in my life. Amazing. So I have ordered eel sushi. It's called Eel Supreme. Um, So I'm quite an adventurous eater. But actually, do you know what? I feel like I need to kind of demystify you know, this kind of idea of eel being weird because it's just like a sort of a meaty fish and it's cooked and it's in this lovely sort of 
sweet and salty sauce and I love the combination of sweet and salty flavors like I love to offset mm. savory food with a bit of sweetness and vice versa and um, so I've got that and then I've got a seafood miso ramen so um many who know me know that I'm quite obsessed with miso I'm just really want to raise kind of miso awareness <laughs> <laughs> it's about time Christelle it's about time <laughs> honestly and I do you know what when I was in the Bake Off tent I use miso so much and it became quite controversial because people were saying, oh, you know, Chriselle's obsessed with miso. What's the problem with miso? And other people were like, yeah, we need more of this. It's great. It's, it's different. It's pioneering. But the truth is, is I think, I mean, t- to be honest, the reason I used miso so much in the tent was because I didn't think I would be in, in the tent for that long. And then I ended up, so I thought, well, I'll just use miso in three consecutive weeks. So I won't make it that far. And then I got that far and I thought, well, this is embarrassing. But then the other reason was actually... I actually think miso is so versatile and you can pair it with so many different flavors. You can pair it with sweet things, savory things, and in my case, in a seafood ramen. But yeah, so really excited. So the takeaway which you're going to get today, will you add miso to it? No. So the reason is because the, the ramen has miso in it already. And I wouldn't call, so like I wouldn't have miso on the side of something. It's more, it's actually, it, it's such a punchy, amazing sort of flavor bomb. I actually use it as a base of flavor. So it's almost like sort of a stock cube on steroids, if you will. Oh, <laughs> lovely. That sounds great. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, so I would use it if I'm like about to make a dish. If I'm going to make a soup, I'll add in some miso paste. If I'm making a glaze for my salmon, I'll add in miso. If I'm making a caramel, I'll add in miso. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it's more if I'm actually creating a dish from scratch, I'll add it in. And also, yeah, I think I just trust Rin Sushi to have enough flavor in it that I don't need to add in miso um rin sushi is a place near to where you live is it it's it's it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a, yeah 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 it's a local place so you're talking about eel then so it's a, i love sushi as well but eel is one that for some reason i've always sort of slightly reluctant i don't know why because i'm also quite adventurous eater but there's something about it i think i've got that sort of idea of jellied eels this is this thing growing mm. up aware of eels being this sort of jellified thing that seemed disgusting to me yeah. but of course a, that must be great because the reason they're so popular, jelly deals, you know, I live in the East End of London, you know, you can still buy them, lots of places, they must be great, but I've never been brave enough. But eel is that thing that sort of, I don't know, maybe it's the shape of it, I'm not quite sure, <laughs> it, it troubles me. To be fair, how you'll often find it is it's, it almost looks like a fillet of mackerel, the way they okay. sort of fillet it and they cut it and it's tossed in this lovely glaze and then you usually have it with rice, just a bed of rice. Um, but when you look at it, you wouldn't think, oh, that looks like an eel. It just looks like a kind of a thin fillet of fish um, and it's really meaty. But I kind of get you, though, and I think I think there is something about raw fish that does scare people. But because it is cooked, it's kind of a lot less scary. Yeah. Is it? would you ever, I mean, when it comes to baking, which we'll get on to in a minute, but was there any, what's the most adventurous sort of ingredients you've used when it comes to baking? Oh, I, I always think that there's basic, there, there's always a sort of set sort of staple ingredients and then you'll have people will experiment a bit. But uh, for example, I, I wouldn't imagine mixing eel, eel <laughs> in a cake in a rush, but, but I could be wrong. <laughs> I could be totally wrong. And, you know, miso in a cake is something I would admit, really think, but again, I should be wrong about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's, yeah, I think to be fair, there's probably a fine line with, with experimentation, but I do love adding, so obviously things like miso, tahini, which things you would typically associate with savory food. I love putting in, 
in my sweet dishes. Um, but then there are things like, I don't know if you've heard of yuzu, which is sort of a cross. Oh, love yuzu. Love yuzu. It's amazing. And I had it for the first time in Hong Kong, fell in love. Um, and so I, yeah, I now order lots of yuzu juice and I make yuzu curd, which is, I just think is a lovely step up from lemon. Um, I've never gone to the extent of putting eel in my cakes, um, but you know, <laughs> never. But there's still time. There's still time. So t- talking about your cakes, Krista, let's talk a bit about Bake Off. Yeah. And your experience with Bake Off. So, um, first of all, congratulations. You made it to the front. That, that, that's a big deal. Oh, what? You. What is the what is what is it like in there? <laughs> is it intense? Because it, it feels super intense. <laughs> it was probably the most stressful thing I have ever done in my life, but in a good way. Um, and I say that because I think there are sort of different types of stress. You get the stress when you're in a really I don't know stressful situation where I don't know, say you've broken your leg, and that's really stressful. Or yeah, in your yeah. day job a client has asked for something yesterday and you're panicking and you've got to get something over the line. That's stressful. This is a sort of stress where you are running off adrenaline because you genuinely love what you're doing so much. You are so excited. You're living your dream. You're basically in this weird immersive experience because I was a part of my favorite TV show, which is mad because I have watched Bake Off for years as a form of entertainment. You know, I'll sit down <laughs> on my sofa and watch it. So I remember walking into the tent for the first time. It was so bizarre because it was as if I was kind of been sucked into my TV and I was there in this tent being like, what is going on? Like, that's porn, that's porn. <laughs> that's so, so strange. On the first day you're there, how are you controlling those nerves? How are you making sure that you remember the art of baking how do you make sure that doesn't all go out the window and you completely I mean how are you controlling the nerves basically yeah I guess you know what for me I think because I think to go into the tent you have to really have a true passion and love for baking and for food and I just focused on that you know I was you know I went into the tent thinking I'm here to do one thing and that's to bake and I think because I was so focused on that I tried not to think about the cameras and I think the times when you can get stressed out and get overwhelmed is when you see all these like cameras all around the tent, all in your face and something's going wrong. There's about 10 cameras on you because they want to pick up when something goes wrong. And I think if you start to focus too much on the cameras and how you're coming across on camera, that's when you start to forget how to bake and you forget certain things and your bakes go wrong. So I went into the tent thinking, I just want to focus on my baking. I'm here to bake. I want to do a good job of my baking and that's it. And let the cameras pick up what they will, but I'm not going to focus on that. And I think that really helped me, you know, not kind of get stressed out or get phased by certain things because I just kept telling myself I'm here to bake. I'm here to have a good time. And I also don't want to take things too seriously because I remember before I left the tent, I was getting really stressed out and I kept on telling my family, oh gosh, you know what guys, I'm going to go out on week one. Like, this is just so bad. My, my anti-gravity cape wasn't defying gravity and it was all a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it, was just, it was so bad. And, uh, my, my family just said, look, Christelle, it doesn't matter if you go out in week one or in week 10, just go in and have the best time of your life. And you don't want to have any regrets where you come out the tent and you just think, wow, I spent the whole time in that tent stressing. I'd never actually, you know, got to take stock of what I was doing and enjoy it. And so I think, I just went into the tent and I just thought I really want to enjoy my time and, you know, bake to the best of my abilities and, yeah, have fun. And I think I did that. One thing I'm always surprised by, and this this is a quirk of cooking shows in general, is when they question you as you're cooking. And 
I, I so when you were practicing for Bake Off, did you also <laughs> practice people throwing questions at you whilst you're baking, like you know, what are your you hopes and dreams, that kind of thing? <laughs> you know, it's a really funny question because it did happen. Um, I yes, yeah, so I I think I mentioned so I live at home with my parents and. I did live just until a few weeks ago with my two sisters. My older sister just moved out now. But so there was, when I was prepping for Bake Off, there was a five person household and we're a very loud family. There's always, I mean, I've literally had to close all the doors around me because everyone was making too much noise. (laughs) (laughs) And also everyone's kind of always in each other's business. And obviously we only have one kitchen in the house. And so when I'm baking and making a mess, everyone is running around the kitchen and my family are very inquisitive anyway. So I mean, pre-bake off when I'd be cooking or baking in the kitchen, my sisters would always come over and say, oh, what are you making? Can we try some? And my sister is such a junkie. She will eat buttercream by the spoonful. (laughs) Is she older or younger? She's older, but she has got the palate of maybe like a (laughs) seven-year-old. She never eats breakfast, but if there's cake in the fridge, she'll have cake for breakfast. Um, And that's just kind of how she eats. So whenever I'm making a cake, she'll literally walk up to me with a teaspoon in her hand ready to eat the buttercream. Um, but yeah, so when I was practicing for the 10, my sisters would come up to me and they, they started asking me all these questions. I would, and I was just saying, look, guys, leave me alone. But they said, no, Priscilla, this is really good training. <laughs> but do you know what? It helped because then obviously Matt and Ola there yapping away, um, who I actually loved. And I think they were a really, they were a welcome distraction in the end because they kind of just kind of took the stress out of things and they made you relax and they kind of reminded you to enjoy the process a bit more, which I think is so important. That's great. When I was about 14 or 15 uh, and all the cool kids, uh, bigger kids in my school would go to the skate park and I was too nervous to go to the skate park (laughs) because everyone was bigger and cooler than me. Uh, Me and my two friends, Chris and Nick, used to play Ready Steady Cook and they would cook against each other and I would play Ainsley Harriet and I would interview them throughout the time oh, while they were actually they would genuinely cook a meal and then I would taste it and decided one I think I'm not sure if that's sweet or sort of tragic I don't know but that is uh, so I <laughs> no, I love that do you know what it's funny you mention that because um when I was younger this is even probably worse than that okay. my sisters and I also used to play ready said you cook but in a really sort of messed up way <laughs> My mum would cook for us and she would give us our like to, uh, give us our food on a plate and then we would basically take our food and then deconstruct it and mash it up. So even if it was a plate of like a plate of, I don't know, rice and curry, we would yeah. I don't know, create something else with it. I don't know, I'd mash it up and like turn it into a pie and be like, Oh look. Oh wow. <laughs> we would create ready steady cook and obviously my mum would get so annoyed because she would like just eat your damn food. Oh, that's fun though. Yeah. But I don't know. It wasn't fun for my mum. You grew up in a house where uh, food was um, a thing of interest and love, I'm guessing. Is, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So food has always been just so central to my culture um, and to my family. We've got the type of freezer and fridge where when you open something, things fall out. And then you've got to try and shove something back in and then close the freezer <laughs> door. And then you know that when you open the freezer door, it's going to fall out again. There is just so much food. There's always something in the oven. There's always something bubbling away on the hob. And that's just kind of that. That's always been my family. And we love feeding people. So when People come over to the house, you know, if we have to feed them. And if you don't eat, then we'll all be very offended. Um, And also when we're having dinner parties, it's not a case of making, you know, a rice and a curry. It's making five different types of rice and five different types of curry. You know, it's all about, you know, feeding people and making feasts. Yeah. So food has always been a very big, big part of our life. I think having that much food around is just basically fills the house with love and, and warmth. 
Yeah. I think that's just such an incredible experience to have. Always undone, may I add, by trying to shove that, that tray back inside the freezer smoothly. <laughs> if you can do that smoothly in one go, that means you win something. That's a prize-worthy skill. It is so stressful. The, the amount of time in my life I spend punching potato waffles in an attempt to get... I know, I know, I know, I know you guys aren't referring to, but this is the, the, the reality You're of so English. English. You're so <laughs> English, Craig. In, in my say, household... That's frozen dal. Okay, well, yes. he uses potato yes. waffles. Now, I will say in my defence, there are there are lots of frozen curries and things that I've cooked in there and Tupperware up, but I'm never sensible enough to label what it is or when oh, I've no. made it. So I'll open it up and it could literally be anything, and I don't know when I put that in there. So the amount of time that's I've got to oh, risk it, labeling is so away. important. I need to label. This is my this is my thing. So so takeaways then growing up. Did you ever get takeaways growing up? And if so, what did you have? You know what? It's really funny because I was thinking I was coming on a takeaway podcast and actually I was thinking growing up, I really didn't eat that much takeaways. I had them occasionally, but I was very much the person that always had home cooked food. I never had school dinners. I always had packed lunches Um, and I basically grew up just always eating home cooked food. We would very, very occasionally get um, Turkish grill. That was the only takeaway Mm. I can remember having. We would never get anything else. Never until this day have never ordered Indian food as a takeaway because I think as someone who is going, I will only ever eat a going curry made in my house or made by like my auntie. So I'll never order Indian food as a takeaway. Um, oh. But yeah, so the only only takeaway I remember as a childhood was Turkish grill, um, which I loved. And what we would do, it was kind of like a weird fusion because we would order like the grilled meats yeah, and yeah. the garlic mayo, which I was in love with. And then we would have <laughs> it with parathas. And it was this lovely, like, buttery, flaky parata with, like, with this lovely grilled meat, like, slathered in this garlic sauce and a bit of that lovely salad with the red onions and the pickled, um, the pickled chilies. And it was just amazing. So you were making homemade paratas and then using yeah. those with the... Is that what you were, is that what you were doing? Basically, <laughs> which is so typical of my family. Because- That's awesome. Yeah, just can't deal with just having a takeaway on its own. And even now, I remember like, so if we ever want to order like a Chinese takeaway, very rarely, I'll say, okay, I'll order some stuff. And my mum will say, oh, well, why don't I just make some rice? And then I have to literally tell my mum, mum, the whole point of us getting a takeaway is that we don't cook today because we're all really busy. <laughs> there's always someone itching to make something or make a side or a rice or a salad to go with it. And it always happens. So, yeah. That's very sweet. I do sometimes think about, oh, maybe I should make the rice. But you're right. That's kind of that doesn't negate the point of it. You you want to be chilling out. You want to be just getting a takeaway, turning up and relaxing, rather than sort of boiling rice, I suppose. But uh, I can kind of I can kind of see the logic to it. Like I, we've talked about this before, but when we used to go out for a curry with, as a family. Uh, my dad would save money by uh, we'd have supermarket poppadoms at home. <laughs> he would, he'd have bought so, but that would be like forty-five minutes or an hour before we got to the meal. <laughs> so we'd have them at the kitchen table, and then we'd head off to the restaurant. So, so I, I think that is a parental generational thing. So I, I, I definitely do get that. And what about nowadays? And so, do, do you get many takeaways now? What's what's your? How often will you get a takeaway? And what sort of things are you getting? Yeah. So do you know what? Again, now takeaways are basically now I'd say we reserve it for a special occasion. So we'd like to eat out. But to be, to be fair, like over lockdown, we would usually go out for a meal for someone's birthday. But because we couldn't, we would then start getting takeaways. Um, but I think over the years, yeah, we've started now getting takeaways either for a special occasion or 
if we kind of want to save time. So actually, this is quite funny. For the first episode of Bake Off, we thought, oh, um, because, you know, it was on a weekday, we were all working and we were having some of my family come over to watch the first episode. We thought, let's get a takeaway. It'll be easier because we won't have time to cook after work. So we yeah. thought we'd get takeaway pizza from, um, it's a place called Minori Pizzas that do amazing sourdough pizzas and with all these lovely different toppings, which I love. So we thought we'd order takeaway, but obviously in true Pereira hectic fashion, <laughs> the pizzas just basically didn't arrive for ages. So we're like, it's about maybe quarter to eight, whenever Bake Off is supposed to start, we're waiting for the food to come. The food comes and we're just stuffing pizzas down our mouths. <laughs> and it was so sad because it was so, such a nice pizza and I couldn't even enjoy it because I'm obviously getting stressed out because I'm about to see myself on TV for the first time. So I'm feeling really anxious. And then I'm stuffing pizza in my mouth. And then I'm just feeling sick because I can't even eat because I feel so stressed. And then I'm not just wasting this really nice food. And then I'm just washing it down with Prosecco. And the whole thing was really stressful. <laughs> um, and I just thought, wow, you know, we ordered, and this is what I was t- talking about before, you know, you order a takeaway to try and take the stress out of life. And then it ended up, you know, added more stress to my evening. Um, so do you also, so you were saying you, you all sit around and you watch the episodes together? Together, do you is that what is that what happened yeah, during, during the yeah, filming yeah. so we would we would call them bake-off tuesday so every tuesday we would always sit um and what we i mean what we planned to do what should have happened is we ate we would eat dinner before the show starts and then we would then sit around and watch it without stuffing pizzas down our mouths but yeah so every tuesday we would all sit around and usually i'd watch it with family sometimes i had friends over to my house and we would watch it um but yeah so it was really nice because every tuesday it would just be a nice little celebration uh, with with one extra empty seat every week as well. <laughs> <laughs> Quite sad. <laughs> There's something about the the nitty gritty of the baking method at times mm. because mm. there are elements of it that just I I think rather confuse me and things that I've realised that I'm not I'm so uh, I'm so uh, not good at certain elements of baking that I still don't really understand what they are. So. I'm going to throw a word at you. I, just, I would love you just to explain to me what exactly is going on here oh, with God. this. Okay. okay. So it's when people tell you to prove something, right? So yeah. I think proving something, I sort of think of like having to convince someone as that, 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 <laughs> that it's real. Okay. <laughs> but instead, what I see sometimes is a perfect, a perfect little ball of dough with, yeah. with either a kitchen towel on it or a, or a bit of cling film, and then 30 yeah. minutes later, it's proved itself. Now, I can't prove myself that quickly. What's going on there? Do you know, this is really funny because this is sort of reminding me of my Bake Off interview, and it's sort of giving me a bit of PTSD because these are sort of questions I got asked. <laughs> oh, well done. Well done, Simran. You've, re- yeah, you've really nailed that, mate. Well done. PTSD. Anyway, you want- I can yeah. say that I, have, I know the answer because I had to give it in my interview. So okay. proving... <laughs> In, in, in the baking world, and obviously it's ma- mainly associated with bread or when you're, you've got a product with yeast in it, and you're basically allowing, yeast is a leavening agent, so you're letting that yeast, I don't really know the science behind it, I'm not a very sciencey baker, but basically the yeast kind of gives off this gas which allows the bread to grow, um, and that is sort of part of the baking process, and you need that to basically help your bread to basically have a really good bake at the end so some breads you have two proof some you have one proof but you basically you'll make your dough then you let it rest and in that resting times your your bread will basically grow and it's kind of all that gas from the yeast is kind of creating these air pockets which 
allows your, your dough to kind of grow and rise. You punch it down, then you'll shape it, you let it grow again, and then you bake it. And without proving your dough, you'll end up with a really stodgy, tight piece of dough. And this is probably, I'm sure Paul Hollywood will kill me for give, kind of creating this comparison, but I guess the sort of a way to say it in kind of cake terms is, you know, if you're beating your butter and your sugar, you're creating those air pockets and that is what's going to help your cake rise, I guess is sort of the equivalent to proving yeah. your dough. Um, so yeah, but it's a really integral post process to, to the bread making um, sort of function. That's so interesting because they do always say that's a good bake or that's a good bake, you know, and you just think, I put, if they're all good bakes, and they? they all look like good bakes to me. That's a good bake. Like, it all looks like a good bake. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm quite new to baking. So I started baking, I think, in 2019. Um, so just a few years ago. And I was first and foremost a cook. I've always loved cooking. But I'm basically kind of, I cook like how my mum cooks. I'm sort of a haphazard cook. I throw in a bit of this, a bit of that. I season to taste, I taste as I go along, and I never use a recipe. Um, I'll throw things together and that's it. And so when I started baking, I used that same mindset. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll just throw things together. I won't use a recipe. And my bakes were disasters because my breads were coming out stodgy because I wouldn't prove them for long enough. My cakes weren't rising because I didn't really understand the concept of, you know, beating your butter and your sugar or using room temperature ingredients. I remember once I tried to make meringues and I didn't weigh out anything. I put my meringues in the oven <laughs> and I kid you not, they evaporated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure that'll be fine. Just bang them in. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, I performed a magic trick and it was just crazy. Are you sure you remember to put them in? Because that was yeah. the other option you didn't remember. Well, do you know what? <laughs> Just a tray. It was really funny because I actually remember they piped really well pre-baking and I took one of those photos put on Instagram, you know, oh, meringue's going in the oven, you know, tap to bake. <laughs> and then I was so embarrassed because I just couldn't post anything other like afterwards. But yeah, and so I kind of, and it's only recently over the years and especially kind of the process of Bake Off has really taught me about kind of more of the science behind baking and the precision and the measurements and all these little tips and tricks that will really help your bakes to do well. For example, proving it or beating your butter and your sugar or, you know, weighing out certain things. And, you know, it's so interesting, you know, learning about the science behind baking. The question we sometimes ask people is that what are their top three chain restaurants? But I think that's not the right question here. My, fav my question for you would be, what, what's the top three cakes you've ever eaten? <laughs> Oh, and yeah. what were they and how good were they oh and God. also let's add what's the worst cake you've ever eaten let's chop that in as well okay. so three the, literally the three best cakes you've eaten in your entire life or pastries or anything along those lines anything baked oh that you would say God. the top three things you've ever eaten that have been baked wow this is really this is a really hard question can i throw pancakes into that Yes, you can. Yes, okay, you can. Right. I think so, yeah. <laughs> well, because yeah. I can't really say no, can you? You heard what he said. You heard what he said, Christelle. Three cakes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You reckon you can bake a pancake? So, mm. Okay, yeah, yeah no, well, I, will, I will loosen the rules, but I want you to know that I'm not entirely happy about and it. And to be fair, it does have cake in the name, so... Yeah, oh, yes, yeah, exactly. You, you, you won me round. Okay, so you can throw in pancakes. Okay, so, so that has got to be... So I was in Japan... And this was before this concept came to the country. They're called souffle pancakes. And I'd seen them. So whenever I go to a country, I basically put together a list of the best things to eat in that country and the best places to find them. Mm. And so I'd seen, learned about these souffle Japanese pancakes. Um, and I went with my mum and we basically had to queue up 
to get a ticket. So this place only serves 60 a day, 20 at breakfast, 20 at lunchtime, 20 at dinner. You've got to go up to get a ticket. And then once you've got your ticket, then you go back to get your pancakes. Um, And we got just these three pancakes and they were probably about, I don't know, three, four inches tall. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know how they make them, but I'm, it must be a process of whipping your egg whites and your egg yolks separately. But what the result was, was something that honestly melted in the mouth and was just so airy and light and incredible. They basically took the concept of a fluffy American pancake, but just made it 10 times better. And it was so simple because it was just served with a bit of butter, maple syrup and whipped cream and icing sugar. And that was it. But it was so incredibly light and fluffy Yeah, I I will remember that for years and years. And they brought that concept to the UK and I've had it a few times here, but I still, those ones I had for the first time in in Japan will always, I think, be etched in my mind for a very long time. As you were saying that, Christelle, I just Googled souffle pancakes and the first thing that comes up is how to make fluffy Japanese souffle pancakes. They're (laughs) delicious. Yeah, you know what? That sounds great. (laughs) Honestly, Maybe you were edging towards the sort of light fluffiness that they'd achieved with your evaporating meringue. Possibly not. <laughs> there might have been, because that surely is very light. Something that evaporates must be incredibly light. So if you can capture that just before the moment of evaporation. Oh, God, honestly. You've got the lightest thing going. Okay, what's your second, the second best cake you've eaten? Second best cake. Oh, this is so hard. I feel like I've eaten so many things in my lifetime. Um, let me have a think. I think it will probably trying to think because there's so many different things to be fair I I'm sorry I'm gonna still have to say actually no I'm gonna move to Hong Kong um and you said like I can include pastries in there yes you can so in Hong Kong I had this incredible sort of it was like a hybrid between a milk bread bun and a pastry and it had um you know the sort of the Japanese red bean paste in it yeah, um, mm. it's sweet azuki red beans. So I had that with a bit of cream cheese, and again, it was. I think I spoke about this before. It was that sweetness and savouriness in this lovely soft bread bun, and I just loved it. And I remember those. You have these amazing bakeries in Hong Kong. That are kind of they have these French slash Hong Kong hybrid bakeries, and it's amazing because they take these French concept and then add in these lovely. Um, wacky flavors and I remember that it was just incredible so that again was something I remember for a very long time this sort of red bean cream cheese pastry oh amazing was yeah one of the uh, most amazing things and then to bring it back to this country um I had it was it was actually my team got this for me for my birthday um so we've got a Paul's Bakery near our office um and they uh, ordered this lovely Paul's Bakery cake but I don't even know if it was just a cake because, do you know what? We were talking about Kinder Buenos before and it reminded me of a Kinder Bueno because it had this lovely whipped hazelnut layer, then this sort of crunchy... <laughs> Say it again. Say it again. Oh, it. <laughs> it was so good. And I remember eating it thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do with my life because... Also, I wouldn't say my team are massive foodies. They probably just ordered this thinking, oh, you know, this is just a nice little cake we've ordered. And I was there thinking, this is revolutionary. I don't know what to do. <laughs> it was so good. And I remember I came home and I told my family about it. And I think out of my family, the only one who is a foodie like me is my mum. So she really appreciates sort of kind of, you know, if I give her a rundown of something I've eaten. And she is also a massive fan of hazelnuts. 
So she no. was all for it. Um, but yeah, it was, and I don't know what the name of it was, but if you ever go to Paul's Bakery, it was some sort of hazelnut cake tort thing. And it, yeah, incredible, incredible. God, that does sound delicious. That does sound absolutely <laughs> delicious. <laughs> to return to to return to, to uh, takeaway foods then. So you don't order that often, you're saying. You're not, not a huge takeaway order. But what, what sort of an orderer are you when you, are, do you order the same thing are you someone who likes to try something new each time or do you what, what, what's what's sort of, what's your vibe takeaway wise so um it's quite funny i will say is as i mentioned before i'm definitely an adventurous eater yeah. um and so i love trying new things all the time so for example i will never go to an italian and order a margarita and this sounds controversial but i think margaritas are a waste of time yeah um i just think i agree I just, do you know I what agree. I mean? Because I'm, I'm glad you agree. There was a bit of a silence and I thought, oh, no, I, I really offended. <laughs> no, 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 no. The silence was me nodding in approval. Oh, good. Because yeah. I just think, do you know what? For me, every time I order a pizza, I want to try a different topping because, you know, I feel like when I eat out, I'm this is the one time where I get to try something that I wouldn't typically cook. So, you know, why would I go and order a margarita? It's just, you know, I, I know what margarita tastes like. It's just bread and cheese and a bit of tomato sauce. So this is sounding really bad. <laughs> All our Italian listeners are currently turning off at this point. There, uh, <laughs> it, could, it could be argued that the the art of a margarita is the purity of good ingredients, sort of simple you know ingredients what? being used well, and that's the same for a lot of sort of Italian pastas, I suppose, where you reduce it down to just the best sort of uh, natural ingredients that are available and they're just it's true yeah. I also don't imagine Cristela is a type to go in the complete opposite direction which is just order a sort of meteor pizza <laughs> with, with five different types of meat and sweet corn and peppers and mushrooms that's that the slice collapses under the weight of the ingredients yeah yes, yeah yeah exactly and you know what to your point actually I agree and I think if I was in a really rustic rural sort of Italian pizzeria that had an incredible pizza base and really good quality ingredients, then I would maybe consider getting a margarita. And that's the only time when it is really about the simplicity of really good ingredients. That would be the only time when I would get a margarita. But if I'm just going to my local, yeah, I would get, you know, look at, oh, what looks good? Maybe the sort of, I love grilled veg and with a bit of, you know, a nice cheese, like goat's cheese, a nice flavor, some something, or, you know, and a bit of chili oil. Like I love sort of different flavors and something interesting. The other thing I will say as well is, Whenever I order a takeaway, I will never order just one thing, mainly in part because I'm a bit of a pig, but also because <laughs> I am very scared of, I've got this fear of food envy. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, it, God, yeah. It's, my, it's one of my, my biggest fears because the worst thing to ever do is if you order something and then you have this awful pain in your stomach, not because the food was bad, but because you have this regret that you just wish you had ordered something else or you look at someone else's food and you just think i wish i ordered that so, so how how do you get over okay this is I'm, I'm gonna throw this out to the two of you how do you get over food envy beyond grabbing and eating the other person's food that's on your plate it's really hard i think some things i try and do is i try and convince myself that i have made the right decision i'll think oh well maybe if i ordered that i have a part of that where I, I kind of try and talk myself into believing that i made the right decision yeah if that doesn't work, then, you know, I will just kind of have to be quite sad about it. And then I will make another <laughs> restaurant at some point in my life and then order the right thing. Um, but a preventative measure, which I try and do now when I have had experience of food envy, is 
if I am going, you know, to a restaurant or getting a takeaway with someone, I will first gauge with the person if they're willing to split and share. Yeah. Because that for me is the best situation is when I'm with a person and they're willing to half what they're doing and then we eat each other's food because that is just it's just the best thing. And like we just think this is just it's it's incredible. And when someone doesn't do that, I will be honest and I do judge them slightly. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Because I just think, you know, why? You know, what's what's wrong? You know, I'm not eat, I mean I'm giving you some of my food. I'm not just eating your food. You know, I just think why do you not want to, you know, just half your your meal and share it. It's really food? nice. I completely agree with that sharing thing. It's always nice when people are willing to split. But by extension, I'm also the person Let's say I'm ordering some chips and I say, does anyone want some chips? And the person I'm with says, I don't want chips. I, at that point, make oh. it very clear. Okay, just to be very clear, <laughs> that these chips will not be being shared. I will not. Oh, <laughs> I, I really, I basically, I, I get it essentially in writing. I'm like, I know, I'm fine. We'll order some extra chips for you. That's fine. That's fine. But just to be clear, this, this, is, this can't become sort of, <laughs> like, these are not group <laughs> chips. Just to get this in writing, a legal document, ideally. <laughs> that really you just just when you began that saying you don't mind sharing you completely undermined it my point is i like the spirit of sharing and coming together if we all agree to do it in the first place i don't like someone denying that they're interest they're not they're saying that oh, i'm not interested in that thing and then when it turns up suddenly yeah scoop and you know what i actually get that because I, I think when you, if someone has said they're not going to share their food, yeah. then you, you put yourself in that mindset saying, okay, well, this is for me. And then when someone changes their mind, it does throw a spanner in the work. So I do agree with you in that. I think if, if yeah. you know, someone's going to share their food, you say it from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and yeah. if someone says they're not going to share, then you then you change your mindset. And then you, you go into your meal thinking this is all for me. And it's, it's, it's why I've, um, I've cut, off, cut off all contact with my mother as well, because she's like that. So we haven't spoken <laughs> to each other in 15 years. She's a lovely lady, but, you know, <laughs> took my chips one too many times. You, what you were saying there, I, I had an idea for a restaurant. I'm going to run it past you, by the way. You just made me think about something. You were talking about that sort of, have I got the wrong order? Uh, being jealous of other people's orders, blah de blah. Because I'm that person. So I, I don't think I've ever ordered in a restaurant and stuck with my order. I order, and then about twenty seconds later, I sort of leg it across the room to find the waiter and just go. Actually, I'm going to change it to this. Um, a restaurant called uh, Tombola, where you go in, and you spin it, and you literally eat what you're given so there is no all the choices taken out of it it's a really good restaurant all the food is great it's a changing dishes but you literally eat what you're given you can obviously go vegetarian or meat and you spin the relevant tombola mm. you're not going to get a steak if you're vegetarian but you but the the, the, <laughs> the choice is taken out of it and it literally is oh what am i getting what am i get what am i get we'll find out what happens when it turns up to your table that's my idea i mean i think you i think you've confused uh, going to an arcade with going to a restaurant tom <laughs> I think you've done that fun. classic mistake of 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 wanting to order some food, but actually playing dodgems, which is what you want to do. Okay, I don't think I, I think it's not a restaurant idea. I think it's a, I think do it's you a not game. Think, but but you know, gambling is undeniably popular. We we, we can't yep. get away from that. So I mean, maybe I don't know. What, what do you think, Christelle? Is there, is there, is there money in that? <laughs> do you know what? I think for me as an adventurous eater, I would be okay with that because there's nothing I really wouldn't eat, but then it comes back to my food envy. If I, we were playing this roulette, whatever, and my friend eats something that is like amazing, and I've kind of got something that's mediocre, I will be really quite fuming. Yep. And so I think that's the only thing. And also, I mean, so in this with this concept, would you sort of 
kind of have an idea of what's on the menu beforehand. Yeah, you you, you could look it up online. We'd, we'd post it. Sorry, weed. I don't know why in my mind it's now <laughs> become there's a group we've of already, us. We've we've the <laughs> <laughs> so me and my my yeah fellow entrepreneurs, we would post it once a day. This is what the um, probably six course menu is. Uh, six six meat, four veggie, whatever, and then you, you spin it and uh, you get what you're given. So, so you could look, you can see, is this going to be the evening for me? You get a, a feel for it, but you still don't <laughs> yeah, you know, for me. It's bingo. I do like the concept. <laughs> yeah. But then the only thing I do think is, for example, if I look at a menu, there's always something that catches my eye. So I'd probably go into that thinking, oh, I really hope I get that. I don't know, you know. Yes. Yeah. If I don't get it, I will be upset. Okay. So, second second yeah. restaurant suggestion uh, on, online with this is to introduce the sushi belt to all restaurants, so oh, yeah. that it's going oh, around. You yeah. get to see things, and then you can make a sensible yeah. decision. Even like a even like a like a greasy spoon, you just have have everything yeah. going around a sausage sandwich or a full English or whatever. You can have a oh, look. God. You can see what, but what then you that's when your jelly deals would sit on that conveyor belt, untouched <laughs> for, for 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 continuous rounds. And I think that is when it would get quite depressing. <laughs> Do you know what, though? I actually like that concept, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm that sort of person, when, when I'm in a restaurant, I always look around, and when I see, like, you know, if you see a waiter going up to someone's table with an incredible plate of food, I will, I'll go up to the table next to me and say, oh, excuse me, what did you order? Because that looks amazing. Um, I'm that really annoying customer. Oh. So actually, having that sort of sushi belt is great because I actually get to see what the dishes look like, and... Even though I love looking at a menu and looking at, you know, reading something and thinking that sounds amazing. But when I see a dish, for example, I'm a sucker for like a hot plate with like sizzling mm. meat or something on it. Like yes. that always just yeah. it yes. looks, it looks amazing. As, as soon as that amazing. arrives. So if I saw that, I'd get it straight away. Um, but I love looking at dishes and looking around the restaurant and seeing what people have ordered. Because that is another time when I get food envy is when... I look at, you know, what the other table of order and think, oh, why don't we get that? So I quite like that idea. Hold on a sec, guys. Has, Christelle, has your takeaway arrived yet? Do you know what? It has. Um, it has come. My my mum kindly brought it in the house. Um, oh, <laughs> it's got twice delivered. It got, it got delivered to your door and then your mum delivered I it to you. I can't believe I felt like such a princess. <laughs> when did it turn up? Literally about five seconds ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm assuming there's been some kind of mix-up. Oh, I think we were heading towards our first ever episode there where the food didn't turn up, I, but it has actually turned up. Um, do you want to open it? Is, is it feeling hot? Is it looking fresh? How's it looking? Do you want to check on it? It's looking great. Like, the noodles are hot and steamy. The sushi is just ready to be devoured. And the eels are looking great and not alive, which is fantastic. Ooh. So this is something you will get when you're... Um, I don't know, it's, it's healthy. Sushi food, is, 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 is sushi is healthy well, it's when you're looking after you know yourself. It's funny because sushi is sort of, you would think, yeah, go to healthy stuff. But I think the sort of healthy sushi is the really bog standard sushi, which is just sushi rice and maybe a bit of, you know, raw salmon or tuna. But the sort of, you know, the wacky sushi you get now, for example, this with like, you know, the grilled eel and this sauce, it becomes a bit less less healthy i wouldn't say it's really unhealthy for example i actually don't like sushi with like tempura stuff in it i, I don't like the concept i think i don't mind tempura things on its own but when you try and stuff yeah. that inside a sushi you just lose the crispiness and i just feel like what's the point of having something deep fried and oily in a sushi when sushi should be cut fresh but i do like getting stuff like sushi and also ramen because ramen also does feel quite even it's really filling but you don't finish it feeling quite sick and like you've had something really greasy um which i yes. hate and you sometimes get that with 
you know, like a Chinese takeaway and you have things like spring rolls or sesame potatoes, mm. which I love to bits. But the issue with that is that, you know, you sometimes finish it thinking, oh, gosh, I feel really sick. I've eaten so much, you know, greasy food, even though it was tasty. Whereas I think with Japanese food, it just tends to be a lot lighter and fresher, which I love, and also still packed full of flavor, which for me is the most important thing. You know, anytime I eat something, I just want it to, t- I don't care. I never care what food looks like. I just wanted to taste yeah. amazing. I think that's, that, that should be one of the selling points of Japanese food in sort of advertising should be it tastes nice and also the sense of regret won't be <laughs> as big. <laughs> I really, I think that's, that's a nice thing because so, I know exactly what you mean with that. The amount of times I've sort of got uh, a Chinese takeaway and you know, I, love it. I love Chinese yeah. food. Um, when I've gone for the more unhealthy end, sometimes, and I'll afterwards going, oh, you know, I've let myself, I've let myself yeah. down there. That is, that is terrible. <laughs> let myself down. You do not need that many prawn crackers. Um, on that though, I mean, when you're not being healthy, when you're you've been out with friends or uh, you're coming back from a night out or whatever happened, do you have any guilty takeaway pleasures? What's your sort of go-to guilty takeaway? Oh, that's pleasure? a good question. So it's quite funny. My go-to guilty pleasure of a meal if I'm just having a really rough day if I don't feel well and I just want something quick and still packed full of flavor are packet noodles but a specific brand they're indomie noodles um and it's the way it comes so indomie noodles come there are actually three sachets so it's got this um the, the, the standard sort of sachet with the dried powder mix but then it also comes with this sort of soy sauce oil mixture but a really sticky sweet soy sauce and then oh wow this other oil with crispy onions in it and it's so tasty and it's best had with a crispy fried egg and that is my guilty pleasure meal um because it sounds bad that i'm sort of like a cook but i eat packet noodles but i love them because they have so much flavor they're the best packet noodles by a country mile they're amazing so how do you make that? So, so you're, is it like a pot? You're, you're boiling the the noodles, and then you're you're adding the the two different sources to mix in. Are you? Is that, and then you're adding the, the onions on top afterwards? Is like it's kind of oh, God, uh, that does sound delicious. Really actually, noodles. so you boil the noodles in a pan, and then you basically okay. put them in a bowl, and then you add in all your flavouring, and you just mix it up. And wow. it's, okay. it's honestly, if you ever see Indomie noodles, get them. They are so, so tasty. This is not a paid partnership. I genuinely just love them. <laughs> <laughs> they are honestly fantastic with, with a crispy fried egg. So that is my sort of, if I'm feeling rough and I just want, you know, a, a really quick and easy sort of cheese, that's yeah. it. But nights out, I went through this period and I think it was when I was living abroad and it was, um, I was in Paris and it was really cold and it was sort of in the wintry months. So from, I say, October to December and I would be going out clubbing. I was on Erasmus and it was really cold. I got into this really weird habit of having porridge after a night out. And I think the reason, so we're talking about the whole Japanese cuisine and you don't really feel sick and full after you eat food. I would come back after a night out and all I wanted was something warm and a big bowl of carbs. And porridge just used to hit the spot because it was a big bowl of carbs. (laughs) It wasn't greasy. And I would wake up in the morning with an empty bowl of porridge next to me. But I never felt sick or I never felt like, oh, gosh, I just ate, you know, a Big Mac and I, you know, I thought I'm going to throw up. I just felt, felt, you know, rejuvenated. I was like, oh, gosh, I feel great. I don't feel hungry. You know, I've, you know, just had a bowl of porridge and it's really soaked up all the alcohol. So, yeah. (laughs) So so are you saying you'll come home from a night out and you'll make porridge? in the microwave. Like Goldilocks, so it's a, you're kind of you're get, you're coming home and you're you're that's such an unusual is it because it because it soaks up the alcohol yeah. is that the idea or is it's it kind of literally that yeah. it's just a big bowl of carbs that soaks up the alcohol doesn't make you feel greasy or sick and also the the, the I guess the biggest selling point for me was because it was so cold at the time I would come back 
and I would just be so cold and I really wanted something warm and so it was piping hot and I would just and also obviously you know when you've after a night out anything tastes amazing so I would yeah just devour a big fat bowl of porridge and also for you know me I, at the time I was a student it's so cheap you know you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's just amazing so any students out there you know it's amazing it's healthy it's good bang for your buck and it soaks up the alcohol so it does the job <laughs> Uh, genuinely remarkable. I've, I've never heard that before. That's remarkable. Uh, I'm trying to work out now whether there is there's money to be made with sort of late late night porridge stations, but probably not. I don't think that's a thing that's going <laughs> to like a van that pulls up outside student unions, and you can get maybe three different flavors yeah. of it. But uh, okay, that's remarkable. Um, and and what about what about sort of takeaway grumble? So that I mean, that's that's another thing we ask is kind of are there things that annoy you about takeaways that you could you could easily do without? Are there things that frustrate you? Uh, or are there, or even are there, are there times where a takeaway or a meal has gone completely wrong for you? Yeah, interesting. So, I think things. To be fair, the only thing that it doesn't really annoy me about the takeaway itself, but the, basically, and this is probably just to do with my current situation because I live at home with my family and everyone loves to faff. When a takeaway arrives, it usually is warm, but then we all have to like get all the plates out, and then I don't know. We do a stupid thing where we take a takeaway <laughs> in the Pyrex container whatever the the plastic container and we transfer it into a serving dish so we do this whole faff exercise and by the time we sit down to eat everything is cold and it's so annoying because do you know I keep on talking about the whole point of getting a takeaway is you get fresh piping hot food and you eat it straight away but because we all faff by the time we eat it we have to reheat (laughs) it so it's just really stupid so it's your it's your family your family's getting the plates out in the bowls and arranging on the yeah. table. You're doing it like that, yeah. are you? And I like that sort of eye gate thing, that aspect of kind of how your food looks. I think it does have an effect. Yeah, it does. But I know I know it's gonna it's gonna become cold. That's exactly. your issue there, isn't it? And you know what I quite like in those sort of American TV programs when they're sitting there with those like cardboard boxes eating noodles oh. with chopsticks. I've always wanted to do that, but I never can. Obsessed with those. Yeah, but I mean, but I just can't do that in my house because everyone just has to move everything automatically into a serving dish. So that will never happen. Um, I'm yet to live my American dream. But apart from that, I don't think I've had any sort of bad, really bad experiences with takeaways, luckily. Um, Although this is not takeaway related at all. But I was once cutting a mango and I I love mangoes, my favorite fruit. So I was cutting a mango. So I just cut two slices and there was a bruise. So there was a bit of a, a bit of a bruise flash. It was a bit brown. So I just thought I'll get a knife and I'll just take it out. Um, and so I got my knife and I sort of prodded that brown bit of flesh. And then it started moving. The brown bit of, of, of the mango started moving. I shrieked and I threw the mango on the worktop, threw the knife and I screamed. I called for my parents. I was like, oh my God, guys, there is something in my mango. And they came, they're like, Christelle, what's going on? So being a drama queen. And then came back into the kitchen because I left the kitchen, walked back. And I kid you not, there was a beetle just gingerly walking on the worktop and that beetle oh. was inside my mango. And I just thought, how the hell was that alive in my mango? And oh, that's... It was just so jarring. And I honestly don't think I could have a mango for about a year. Every time I had a mango, I had to get someone else to cut it for me because I was so scarred. It was horrible. <laughs> I've just never experienced anything like that in my life. And I also hate insects anyway. So the whole thing was so harrowing. I just, oh, yeah. so bad. Yeah. So are you back on the mangoes now? Are you still sort of... Uh, I am. This was quite a few years ago, and so it took me a while. But, yeah, um, I, yeah it took a, a, a kind of a year off cutting mangoes. I'm now back to it, but every time I see a bruise, I do have a bit of a really awful flashback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, I, I, so was it like week by week you were getting slightly closer to a mango until sort yeah. of like six months of counseling you were able to hold one? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, yeah, that, that, that's genuinely horrific. But, I mean, what a nice life for the Beatles, to be honest. That's quite, you know, that's, uh, that's quite yeah. a pleasant place to be, isn't it? So if, if you're looking for sort of the, the rosy element of that. Yeah, I mean, very lucky. Nice um, so your food has turned up. I'm aware that your food will be going cold. We normally eat the food throughout the, the chat, but I think we'll wrap up the chat with you. Let's, 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 let's open up the two dishes, give it a bite, see what you think, and tell me why you love what you've ordered. Okay, one sec, because um, my uh, my mum... <laughs> you're going to laugh. My uh, my mum came and um, was worried it would get cold, so she's now gone and moved my takeaways into a serving dish um, <laughs> and in the microwave. So bear with me while I go and retrieve my okay. um, takeaways. Okay, so sweet. Okay, fine, um, I will be back in two seconds. Okay, I'm back. Okay, great. So, Christelle, you're back. I am back. Sushi in hand. Um, my eel supreme. So, I'm sure everyone knows the sushi protocol. Although, I'm going to go on another waffle, aren't I? But basically, when I was in Japan, um, I learned that, you know how in, in this country, when every, well, I don't know, I say everyone, but people tend to, like, douse their sushi in soy sauce. Actually, in Japan you put the tiniest amount of soy sauce on your sushi because the fish there is so fresh. And so you ah. basically, you don't want to drown your sushi because you want to enjoy the actual flavor of the sushi itself. And what, and what about, what about ginger? What about ginger and, and miso? You know, what, what, what's happening there? Wasabi. Ginger and wasabi. Yeah, absolutely. I am all for that. And I love that sort of sensation when the wasabi sort of, goes up your nose a bit and then you partially die. Oh, my God, that is, that's the best. It's kind of one of life's guilty pleasures. Christelle, I, w I want a wasabi cake. <laughs> Do you actually? Yes. I want to know what a wasabi cake tastes like. Do you know what? I actually have been, I once had um, a wasabi Kit Kat and it was really nice. Oh, I've seen them. Yeah. The, the, the little green wrapper. Yes, but... Don't get them confused because you do get matcha Kit Kats as well. But Oh, no, I'm confusing with a matcha <laughs> one. I have done exactly that. <laughs> you said don't get confused and I got confused. <laughs> but no, wasabi, do you know what? I do actually think wasabi and white chocolate would go really well together because I can imagine it being a sort of really punchy, fiery flavour with something really sweet. Oh, Christelle, I've got it. <laughs> it's a Kinder Bueno oh, wasabi oh, special. I knew you were going to say that. And I think you have just won the lottery. And the only the only difference the only difference is the the images of the children they're crying <laughs> because they're eating wasabi. <laughs> so this is it's, it's going to work. I think there's something in this. Oh my god. Okay, so so what, how's how's your well, first question? How are the eels? This is probably the moment where we have to start wrapping up. And yeah, but you've only just started eating your takeaway, so this is actually quite an unusual thing for us. Yeah, really? Usually, when we wrap up, it's when we've all finished. But we're actually going to wrap up as you're starting to eat, which I think is nice. It means that you can now go off and eat in peace. So let's find out as a, as a sort of as the as the end of the show. Let's find out if your <laughs> if your grossly over uh, uh, delayed takeaway is as nice as you hoped it was. Uh, how are the eels? Are you trying the eels? What what, what you're feeling about the eels? I'm going to take my first bite. I also am worried because I feel like. The sound of someone eating is not great, but I will just have we'll, to. We'll, we'll, we'll nip it out if it's too unpleasant. Okay, all right. Yeah. Mm. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> Everything I wish for and more. Because also, I'm quite picky with sushi. I don't know if you've ever got sushi from a supermarket that's been in like the, the fridge section for quite a while and it ends up being really dry. 
But yeah. This, you can tell, is fresh. Like the sushi rice is really nice and soft. The eel is cooked to perfection. That wasabi just gave me that slight sort of heart attack for a period of time, and it's amazing. Had it with a bit of that lovely ginger. Basically, whenever I eat, and I said this before, I think eating is all about having an experience, and an experience of flavors, and I think it's always nice to have different sensations. And that's why I love sushi, because you get freshness from, like, the fish and then the rice but then you get that hit wasabi and then the pickle ginger and then the saltiness of the soy sauce and the whole thing is just it's just such a beautiful creation um i'm getting yeah. emotional with my sushi now but i'm yeah i'm in awe and i'm really loving it um and i also i'm a sucker for a ramen um just love them and what i love about a ramen is the broth itself has got so much flavor um and that's to do with the hero ingredient miso um and I will continue raising awareness because I think it's yeah. fantastic. But it's so tasty and lovely and warming and just a fantastic dish. I think, I mean, I'm just kind of in my element right now and I'm having the time of my life. So thank well, you guys. Well, I, I feel we should probably let you go and enjoy your food, which once again was from... Rin Sushi. It's been a joy speaking to you. It really has. Thank you so much for giving us your time. No, thank you for having me. That was the brilliant Christelle Pereira. Thank you guys for listening so much to the podcast. We really do appreciate your support. So tell your friends, leave us a review, and we'll be back next week with another one of our brilliant guests. See you later. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.